the gospel appointed for this Sunday. And the basis of our sermon this morning comes from the gospel of John, chapter 4, beginning at verse 5. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the piece of land Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Then Jesus, being tired from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, she said, you don't even have a bucket, and the well is deep. So where do you get this living water? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you? He gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his animals. Jesus answered her, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I will give him will never be thirsty ever again. Rather, the water I will give him will become in him a spring of water bubbling up to eternal life. Sir, give me this water, the woman said to him, so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus told her, go, call your husband and come back here. I have no husband, the woman answered. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say, I have no husband. In fact, you have had five husbands, and the man you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. Sir, the woman replied, I see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews insist that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Believe me, a time is coming when you will not worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, because salvation is from the Jews. But a time is coming, and now is here, when the real worshipers who worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For those are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, the one called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Jesus said to her, I, the one speaking to you, am he. The gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, And from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. It's a hot day, and you've been outside for some time now. You had a bottle of water with you, but you finished that a long time ago. You can tell that it is time to replenish your fluids. You're going to be home soon. And when you get home, what is it that you will first reach for? Will it be a cool glass of water? Is it your favorite flavor of an electrolyte-filled sports drink? Or is it something that just tastes really good, but you know it doesn't hydrate you, but you still want it anyways? No matter what it is that you reach for, you know what to expect. 
that when you take that sip, you will be satisfied because your thirst will finally be quenched after so long. Can you imagine having that same sense of satisfaction when you quench your soul's thirst? To find the water that quenches our soul's thirst, you can't go to the store and buy it or get just the right carbon water filter at home. We need to go to Jesus and to the living water that he alone has. And as we look at our verses this morning from John chapter 4, we learn exactly what this living water is and who gives it so he may quench our soul's thirst. Our thirst for eternal life, for the truth, and for the Christ. Jesus and his disciples have been traveling all day and they get to the town of Sychar in Samaria and it's time for them to refuel. So the disciples to go in the town to buy some food and nourishment and Jesus is resting by Jacob's well. A Samaritan woman comes to draw water because she doesn't have any water in her house. And Jesus, tired from the journey, asks her for a drink of water from that well. And it's with that polite request that Jesus then directs this woman's attention to her soul's thirst for eternal life. And Jesus does this with a, a play on words on the term living water. Because you see, it can mean two different things. It can mean physically to spring-fed water that was found in Jacob's well, or spiritually, to the water that is full of life, the water that gives life. Jesus had the second meaning in mind when he offered the woman his living water. But that's not what she was thinking. She was thinking of that spring-fed wonder and water and confused, wondering, where is Jesus going to get this water from if he doesn't even have a bucket to draw from the well right in front of them? Even though it, she didn't quite recognize what this living water was at this moment, she still desires it, thinking that it will prevent her from needing to come back to this well and to draw water for her daily needs. Why is it that the Samaritan woman did not correctly recognize Jesus' living water? Didn't she realize her soul's thirst for something much more important like eternal life, the water which Jesus alone can give and that can quench? Well, in many ways, she was just simply distracted. Distracted from her most important eternal needs because of the needs of right now, like drawing water from a well so you could drink it. How often have you found yourself distracted in the same way? from what's truly important, from what's long down the road, but it needs to be taken care of now because of the needs of your daily life. We all have countless commitments that we juggle in life, things that we need to pay attention to, whether it's work or school, friends or family, taking care of ourself, our health, our personal, physical or emotional health. How well do you balance all those good things to do? How often has uh, today's to-do list entirely messed everything up so you couldn't focus on what you needed to? How often have you forgotten to take care of the important things like your faith, 
to be ready for the eternity that follows after this life. In many ways, we get distracted from what is truly important. And yet Jesus, he doesn't wait for us to finally think about eternity for he quenches our soul's thirst for eternal life. He gives us that living water even when we are in the midst of distractions to quench that very thirst. We find Jesus' living water in the word of God that is both full of life and life-giving at the same time. For it's here that we find that forgiveness that we have the life that is given to you and to me through faith in Jesus as our Savior, that we are right with Him. Even when we poorly manage the commitments that are upon us or God is so far back of our mind, we don't even think about Him. We have a forgiven life in Christ. And this living water is also full of life because of the guarantee it has in it. The guarantee that what you need most of eternity is already yours through faith. A guarantee of heaven that will be with you in every change that happens to you in this world, no matter how big the distractions are. It's with this water that Jesus quenches our soul's thirst for eternal life, even when we're not even thinking about it because we're distracted by the needs of daily life. And with the same water, he also quenches our soul's thirst for the truth as well. Up to now, Jesus has been successful in getting this Samaritan woman to desire his living water, even if she doesn't quite understand it yet. So he goes to the next step, and he has her look to him as a source of truth. First of all, he shows his knowledge of all things as God himself by correctly recounting her previous five husbands in her current sinful situation of living with her boyfriend. Realizing that Jesus is a prophet, the woman asked Jesus about the correct way to worship because there were some different ideas out there. The Samaritan said he had to be done on Mount Gerizim, which was right nearby Sychar there, and the Jews said he had to go to the city of Jerusalem. Which one was the truth? Well, Jesus sides with the Jews for reasons found in the Old Testament but teaches the real truth of how worship has been and will be true that it's not a matter of where, but how. To worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. You see, God is spirit. He can, he's everywhere. You don't have to go to one place to find him. But wherever you are, to come to him in spirit, that is with hearts turned toward God. And in truth, that is with the mind knowing what he has done for you. That is the worship the Lord is looking for to this very day. And it's a good thing that Jesus spoke with this Samaritan woman so he could give her the truth and that confusing sea of what seemed to be right but so many conflicting ideas. We also live in such a climate questions about our God, questions that only he can answer. And there are so many different answers out there that they all seem right, and yet they conflict with one another. Questions like, how much can a couple enjoy the blessings of marriage before marriage? What should worship look like? 
Things are not mentioned in our text like what's the proper way for a Christian to be baptized and so many more questions we could ask this morning. So often when we answer those questions, it's become a he said, she said type of thing where everybody gives their personal opinion. It sounds legit. It sounds good to go. And we have no idea what the truth is. So we rely on our consciences. We, we talk with our friends. We pick something and then we pray that we chose right. And the voice of Jesus to give that truth, which should be ringing out clear above all of those ideas, well, we doubt it. It gets lost in the confusion. Perhaps we even view it as just one of many legitimate options to pick from. Yet we dare not lump Jesus' voice with a person's personal opinion. Because when Jesus speaks, God speaks. And when God speaks, you're hearing the truth. We find Jesus' voice in this living water that he gives to us in the pages of Holy Scripture. And it's not just in the red colored letters that are in your Bibles at home. It's every word in this inspired Scripture. It's in this inspired Scripture that we find the truth to those questions that we could spend all day asking and wondering what exactly is the answer and when you have questions like that, I encourage you to open up your Bible, see what the Lord himself has said. If you don't know where to look, well, ask one of your pastors to open up scripture with you to see what the truth is. Because not only will you hear the answer that every other else is not probably going to have, those fears and concerns about getting it right will go away. Because your search, your thirst for the truth has been quenched by the living water. It's with this water that Jesus has quenched our soul's thirst for eternal life and for the truth. But he also quenches another thirst that's even more important, and that of the Christ himself. Through Jesus' artful use of questions, answers, and explanations, he successfully guided this conversation that began with a drink for water to an expressed desire for the Christ slash Messiah. Those two terms refer to the same thing, of God's anointed one, to do what was promised to save us from our sins. The Samaritan woman here was one of countless others who had been looking for the Christ for so many reasons and for so many years. For her in particular, she was looking for the Messiah to not just explain all things, but probably also for the right reason, to save her from her sins. It's then that Jesus identifies himself as this Christ and does so echoing God's Old Testament I am name that he used so often then. That's quite a claim to make, to say that you are the Christ himself because it means that you are greater than every other person who has ever been out there, greater than Jacob, one of the patriarchs of the Old Testament who made this well possible and countless had drunk from for nearly 1,800 years by this point, and you can still go and visit today. To put it in our American context, that's like saying that you are greater than even our founding father, George Washington, who made this country possible with others, of course, and whose legacy lives on in countless democracies across the entire world. 
If you were to see Jesus resting beside Jacob's well, would you see him as the Christ? So often his humility, it obscures that fact. He needed food, which is why his disciples went to town to go buy some food. He asked this Samaritan woman for a drink of water because he didn't even have a bucket on him to draw it himself. If this is the Christ, he sure doesn't look like it. Or if he's the Christ, well then, how come he hasn't made a bigger scene in this world? You think for someone who's supposed to be greater than anybody else, he would have made a splash in history outside of the religious scene. And yet, if it wasn't for the Christian faith, Jesus... Probably just one of those many forgotten victims cross. Even though our standard of living and technology has greatly improved since the days of Jesus, we still have our basic human problems. Just as much then as we do today. Does it seem like the Christ has already come? Can we be so sure that our thirst for the Christ himself is quenched in Jesus? Yes. Yes, we can. That's because of the living water and how it quenches our thirst for the Christ. For it's in this water that we see where Jesus shows himself to be the Christ. Now he includes us in his blessings as the Christ. The New Testament consistently refers to Jesus and him alone as the one who is called the Christ, a title that no one else could ever dare to claim. As you read his biography in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see Jesus do what the Christ had to do to fulfill those Old Testament prophecies, to live the perfect life God demanded, to die on the cross in payment for our sins, to rise from the grave, to confirm that payment was done in full. He is the Christ. And as the Christ, he blesses you and me with forgiveness, with life, salvation, and so much more. This is why we call this the living water. For it is full of life, the life of Christ and all that he has done for you. And is the water that gives life, your life that is now found in Christ. As such, have no doubt in your heart about who the Christ is. Why is Jesus in him alone? And whoever trusts in him, well, they will never be put to shame. When that Samaritan woman first came to Jesus, she had no idea what this living water was or even where to find it. But you and I do. It's in the word of God the water that is full of life and life-giving from the one who gives it to us, from Jesus himself. It is with this living water that Jesus then quenches our soul's thirst for eternal life in the midst of our distractions of daily life, for the truth and that sea of confusing ideas, and for the Christ himself without a doubt in our heart. And you can drink from this water as well. As Jesus told the Samaritan woman, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. You know the gift of God. 
faith in Jesus as your Savior. You know who Jesus is, the long-awaited Christ. So come to him. Ask for a drink. And drink it up from these very pages of Scripture. Because as you drink that living water, you will see for yourself what is mentioned here, what will surely happen. (laughs) A thirst to be forever quenched because what the Bible says will never change and his blessings and promises will always include you. How that water becomes a spring within yourself bubbling up to eternal life, never running dry. So drink from this water. As you worship the Lord with your fellow believers in spirit and in truth, wherever that may be. Drink from this water in Bible study, in home devotions, as you examine the scriptures that the Lord wrote for you to know. Drink from this water so you may always and forever have your soul's thirst quenched. Amen.